The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John. Glory to you, O Lord. It was very early on the first day of the week and still dark when Mary of Magdala came to the tomb. She saw the stone had been rolled away and the tomb of, from the tomb and came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, she said, and we do not know where they have put him. So Peter set out with the other disciple to go to the tomb. They ran together, but the other disciple, running faster than Peter, reached the tomb first. He bent down and saw the linen cloths lying on the ground, but did not go in. Simon Peter, who was following, now came up, went right into the tomb, saw the linen cloths on the ground, and also the cloth that had been over his head. This was not with the linen cloths, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in. He saw and he believed. Till this moment, they had failed to understand the teaching of Scripture that he must rise from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Look, I'm compelled to ask something this morning that I didn't expect to be asking because we're right in the middle of the year in the way. And so what I'm going to ask is probably a little strange, but I'd encourage us to take the question as I myself am taking it. We know very well what we're celebrating. Jesus has risen from the dead. But we hear this so often in our faith that I think we've lost the, the, the sheer nonsense of it. Like, who rises from the dead? Death is the most certain finality that we know. Like, we're all going to die. <laughs> Sorry, but we are. Uh, could, nothing could be more, more certain. So, so let's just, I guess, resensitize ourselves to the, to the horrendous claim that we're making here. Which other non-mythical character rises from the dead? Sure, there are many mythical characters. Osiris, Adonis, Attis, uh, Dionysus, and others. There's more modern kind of pop culture characters like Gandalf or the lion in the Narnia, or Jon Snow, or Superman. But these are made-up characters. Christianity isn't a movie. Jesus is not a fictional character. There's no historian worth his or her weight in salt who would say that Jesus is a non-historical figure made up by the Christian community. Jesus of Nazareth existed, and he walked the earth this much we are very, very certain, even the secular, atheistic world has to confess this. And we have outstanding evidence to, to corroborate the life of Jesus. Now, Jesus was not trying to become famous. The fact that we are still celebrating him is very strange. You'll remember in his earliest miracles, what did he often tell the people he was healing? Don't tell anyone about this. Go to the temple and, and fulfill the laws prescribed by Moses. In other words, don't make a big song and dance about it, at least not yet. At his transfiguration, maybe one of the most magnificent spectacles his closest disciples would have seen. Peter, James, and John are up the mountain, and they see him. And as they're coming down, what does Jesus say? Say nothing of this to anyone until the Son of Man has raised from the dead. And then Jesus, having predicted his death many times, 
is handed over to the Jews and is crucified by the Romans. All of this so far is plain history. We're not making any religious claims yet. Um, but this on its own doesn't, doesn't explain why we still know who Jesus is. There's nothing momentous about what's happened so far. Do you know how common crucifixions were? It's not like Jesus was the only crucified one in history. There were thousands upon thousands upon thousands. I was sharing my notes with one of my classmates, and he told me that one historian cites an occasion where up to 6,000 crucifixions occurred on one day. Imagine that. The whole city would have just been lined with crosses. It's, it's hard to imagine. Uh, and there are many other occasions where great numbers of Jews were crucified. Crucifixion, in, the, in this sense, did not make you stand out as anything in particular. It made you literally stand out because you'd be standing up above the whole city. And that was the point. You were like a flag waving to remind you how Rome was dominant and would crush you if you tried to assert yourself over and against it. But there was nothing noble or prestigious about being crucified. So the fact that Jesus was a crucified guy, that doesn't explain anything about why we're still here today. It was a, let's say, an indignified way of, of executing someone. Only non-Romans would be crucified by Romans. Uh, Roman citizens would never have to bear the disgrace of the cross because it was a shameful, horrible, uh, horribly indignifying way to die. They'd hang writhing in pain, sometimes for days. Uh, Rome would say of its own citizens, oh no, that's far too indignified for our own people. Um, St. Peter was a Jew and he was crucified upside down. St. Paul was a Roman citizen, so how was he killed? Tradition has it that he was beheaded in Rome. So if crucifixion was both the most common and the most unnoteworthy thing that we can imagine, why are we here celebrating a crucified man? Of course, he's more than that. But Jesus of Nazareth must be something upon this pile of nameless, countless bodies. There are those who say, this really makes me shake my head in, in disbelief. There are those who say, oh yes, okay, fine. Jesus was historical. Yeah, we'll concede that. But he didn't actually die on the cross. No, no, no. He just seemed to die. He passed out and then he came to later. They call this swoon theory. And it's, it's a theory that's, that's posited in response to the resurrection. Um, is this a believable theory? Romans, I don't think we need to be reminded, were very good at their job. And part of it was inflicting um, the crucifixion on those they were reprimanding or making an example of. They'd whittled this style of execution down to a fine art of inflicting the most unimaginable pain for the longest time possible. And then their victims would, would sit there in, in, a, in a kind of awful display for the world to see. But when they wanted you to die, you would die. It's not like they could accidentally leave you alive. For Jesus to be, to be accidentally not killed by the Romans is, is really stupid. It's the silliest argument imaginable. Well, they say, maybe the Romans were bribed. Maybe they were paid not to kill him. Bribed by who? By Jesus? By his poor little band of charitable, meek 
followers who were fishermen and nobodies. They didn't have any money. We know that someone was bribed in connection to Jesus' crucifixion, but it wasn't a Roman, and it wasn't to save him. Um, I heard a silly theory the other day that Christianity is in fact a conspiracy uh, started by the Romans to thwart the kind of uprising of Jews amidst Roman occupation. Um, This is silly, to say the least. Uh, For one, Christianity became a big problem for Rome. And the fact that we're gathered here today as Roman Catholic Church gives you an inkling of how that problem ended. Rome, big, mighty, powerful kingdom, did not actually triumph over little, meek, loving Christianity, but rather Christ rose uh, in us, in the people, um, and rose far more uh, simply and basically than that. Anyway, look, all of these are silly um, sidesteps to the, I guess, the sheer magnitude of the resurrection of Jesus. And that's why we're gathered. So note the reality of what we're celebrating here. The man we know as Jesus lived a real life, died a real death, and his death on the cross was as real as any death we, we would expect to encounter in this world or that we've seen others encounter. And his burial was as real as any people we have buried in our cemetery over here in Calliope, buried in the ground. Um, that's as permanent and as certain as any of us can expect. But here's the fame part. Something utterly unique and historical and not mythical took place. And recognize now the sheer reality of it. The same Jesus who was born in Bethlehem, who lived simply in Nazareth, sharing in the tecton trade of his foster father Joseph, the same one who gathered a humble following to himself, who revealed in a completely unique way the mind and the heart of God with authority we hear in the scriptures. And I often say that doesn't mean Jesus was the biggest bossy bossy boots around, just said stuff, you know, blew blew off his own handle. But, um, But rather like an author, he knows the backstory. Anyone can tell you about a story they've read, but only the author can give you details that aren't even in the book. And this is the authority with which Jesus shocked uh, his, his audience. That same Jesus, whose inescapably radical teaching have formed Western civilization for the past 2,000 years, eradicating slavery, affording the proper infinite dignity to women and children, forming democracy, safeguarding family, all of these things that, that are the bedrock of Western civilization, all of these things that are sort of shaking and on the verge of crumbling, by the way, in our current age, And if you don't believe me, look around. The whole Western world is fracturing and splitting at the seams. That same Jesus who claimed to be God, sure, many people did that, but Jesus did it in an utterly unique way, not only with his words, but with his actions, with his deep, pervasive meaning, integrating somehow all of history and the future But most importantly, and most especially by his great, great love, a divine love, revealing God to be something completely other than, I think, what any of us would have expected. Like, if you had no clue who God was, what would you expect him to be? Or what would you expect his personality to be? Jesus reveals him 
outrageously, to be a tender, fatherly servant. Think about that. This is the God Jesus reveals. On Holy Thursday, he washed our feet. These oils are from our Holy Thursday uh, Mass and the Chrism Mass in, in Rockhampton. Jesus reveals God is our servant. It's not what you'd expect at all. That Jesus died, lay buried in a tomb, and rose. And because he rose, as Archbishop Mark has often said, and I, I always think back to him when I think of the resurrection, he says, the resurrected Lord is everywhere. We are now drenched in the risen Lord. And there's nowhere that he isn't. That brings me to the question that I didn't expect to ask, but I will. If that's where we are, where to from here? Like, what do we do as a result of the shock of a a died and risen Lord? Who is our friend, by the way? Um, The one who we love because he first loved us. In his tender person, the son and the master. What do we do with this friendship? What happens to us? There are friendships that I have that I'd love to introduce to other friendships. You know, I've got friends over here, friends over there, and I'd like to, like to one day help them meet. Who would I like to meet this friend who openly says he's a friend to all? Uh, more to the point, if this friend of mine has braved, now think about this, vulnerability of being a newborn, being a refugee on the run, the happiness and at times the monotonous rhythm of home life and of the workplace. If he suffered the full brunt of things like false accusation, of fatigue, we all know what that is, (laughs) often, um, pain to its limit, and being met in that state by absolute apathy, if not contempt, Um, the cowardice and the betrayal of friends, even what might seem like the abandonment of God. Jesus has endured all of this. We've seen it. And then death and uh, burial as well. The most certain destiny of all of us in a way. If Jesus, our friend, has passed through all of that, has touched upon it, relatively unscathed when you think about it, so as to laugh at it all as Victor on the other side, what does that do for us and for these things that we continually encounter in the world? And for all our brothers and sisters everywhere who are continually entangled in these things that drag them down. What does such a friendship do for each of us? If I can invite us to close our eyes for a moment. If the Lord is risen, and if he is everywhere, then he is currently as close to you as you could ever imagine. Right now. Jesus rises in our midst. Breathe in the presence of this Lord of love so that even now in this moment you would rise.